today i'm excited so tomorrow's my birthday and it's also opening day for mlb world baseball class got me hyped it's playing a little M- mlb the show 23 ps5 looks stunning it's even got like this negro league storyline super cool play with jackie robinson and everything like that love it highly recommend it if you're a baseball fan um and hey maybe tomorrow amazon will bring me a package being that it's my birthday and all and if it is i hope it's brought to me by this driver right here Amazon, hard at work. <laughs> In the midst of a standoff, he's going to deliver his package. I don't give a f- <laughs> Go, Amazon. <laughs> Aaron Robinson says, you got to be unfazed. Mamba mentality. Oh, my God. He took a picture. He took a hands into the cop too. He takes a picture of it too. So now imagine like you're at home, right? And you check the app. You get the you get your your item was delivered notification. And there's a cop standing there holding the box. You'd be like, what the hell did this third party seller send me, man? Justin Shepherd says dedication, commitment, courage sounds like an advert for the U.S. Army. Claudia Catlett, she says, last name officer, just need to note where I left the package with. Love this. Joe Scamorcha says, can't stop, won't stop. Impressive level of dedication. Love that the delivery will show handed directly to resident in the Amazon app. Amy Shelby says, hey, I completed a DoorDash delivery while police were arresting my customer's boyfriend in her yard. And Kirk Day said, this is the guy you want delivering those processing papers. Yeah, maybe to the people who are fighting on that DoorDasher's yard. Anyways, on the show today, we got a bunch, man. We're talking about the logistics of how home meal delivery kits work, how they pack them up from source to final mile. We got a great guest for that. We're going to talk to Zeem Solutions. They're trying to sell this uh, zero emissions as a service model. So y'all know electric trucks, wicked expensive. A lot of people getting pressure on to pick them up. So what they've devised is this sort of depot model where you pay them one fee and you get to charge and anything. I'm not entirely sure how it works. We'll find out if it's legit or not. We'll, we'll talk to them. We're going to talk to a gentleman on the road to Matt. He has been on a mission to get drivers off their asses and in shape. It's Michael Lombard. He'll be here. And we also got Super Trucker. Super Trucker's also on the way to Matt's, and he's going to come with us through some topics like ELDs and everything else plaguing the trucking community. But let's tip the band, and we'll get over to our first guest here. So supply chain challenges are not always easy, but the commitment from the team at Dunavant Logistics to take on that responsibility is unwavering. Dunavant, logistically speaking, they're at the center of it all. Visit them at Dunavant.com. But right now, let's visit with Wesley Williams Sr. He's the Director of Logistics over at Daily Harvest. Wesley, where are you coming in from? Chicago, my man? Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Dooner? I'm uh, calling in from Chicago today. Wow. Hey, did you see our episode? We had um, we had uh, Des Clark, tight end of the Bears on there. I asked him who the better Bears QB was, Grossman or Cutler. What's your pick as a Chicago guy? Yeah, listen, man, uh, I don't care about the Bears at all. I'm originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan, so I'm all about the Lions, uh, okay. and we're killing it these days. Okay. All right. Uh, better stand by Jared Goff. A better quarterback, Matt Stafford or Dan Orslevsky? Matt Stafford. 
<laughs> he's the guy who did the he he's the one who safetyed himself, right? Dan. Poor Dan over there. Yeah. Well, maybe he just didn't have the proper nutrition. Maybe he needed a home delivery meal kit, but he didn't know how they worked. He didn't know enough about them. So today we'll find out what is Daily Harvest. Yeah. So Daily Harvest is uh, if you're familiar with um, HelloFresh or Blue Apron, right? We are in that same space. We are a meal kit delivery service. Um, Our service offering and what differentiates us from those others that I just mentioned, instead of our product being fresh, our product is frozen. Um, it comes essentially pre-prepared for you. Um, so either you take that product um, and our popular offering, one of our most popular offerings, which are our smoothies, you would just dump them into a blender, uh, blend it right up. It takes about 40 seconds for you to have that product. Um, or we offer, uh, you know, there's multiple categories. Um, like we also offer a couple of things like bakes. You just stick it in the oven. But everything is essentially very quick turnaround for you. Uh, we are a vegan offering. We have an organic commitment. So either all of our uh, vendors are either organic or they are working toward uh, transitioning to organic. Interesting. Let's talk about it. How does the logistics and the supply chain of something like this work? Like, let's start at the beginning. How do you procure the, the food? Are you growing this? Do you have your own farm? How are the kits assembled? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, we have a um, sourcing and a purchasing team, um, as well as a sustainability team um, who work very closely hand in hand uh, to identify the suppliers that we are looking for um, from, again, that organic commitment, um, as well as ensuring that they are you know, that their product is meeting the level of quality that we're looking for. Um, so at, at its most right, that, you know, those blueberries are as sweet as we expect them because they mix in with that, those strawberries or the other products in there um, and really meet the quality and standard that we're looking for. So we source uh, globally, like all of our bananas um, come from Central and South America. Um, and as well, like we're working as well with domestic uh excuse me, um, suppliers. So in the Pacific Northwest, like we get all of our berries from the Pacific Northwest, but really globally, we are scouring the planet looking for the uh, best and healthiest ingredients for all of our uh, customers. Very interesting. So let's say you sold me, I go on the website, I pick out my diet. What happens on the back end? What is happening logistically in the back end to prepare these meals to get them ready for delivery? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, where my team really steps in, right, is around the finished goods. Um, so our customers, because we are a subscription model, our customers' orders all actualize on Sunday evening. Um, and so then we work from there uh, from Monday through Thursday to actually pack out um, across a network of five distribution centers uh, to be able to actually take that product from its master shipping case or its MSC into, you know, the individual customer requested order. And so we allow our customers to order anywhere, uh, carte blanche. We give them no direction as far as you have to get, you know, this category and mix it with another category. It is anywhere from six units to 26 units. You can choose as many of our different uh, product or service offerings as you're looking for. So 
I really work and my team really works very closely hand in hand and making sure that we're managing the inventory, that we're managing the pack outline, the fulfillment process, that we are staying very close with all of our final mile uh, network providers. And we use a combination of both national providers that you're familiar with in UPS, um, as well as like smaller, uh, more regionally based carriers, some of which you may have heard of in a, a CDL or a laser ship. Um, but we have several that we partner with. Um, and then ensuring, right, the primary KPI that my team works toward is OTIP, on time and in full. And so everything all the way from uh, those orders actualizing on Sunday all the way through that product being delivered any day of the week from Tuesday to Friday to our customers, we are monitoring and tracking that data, ensuring that we create the best customer service experience uh, possible. Perishables are stressful. I used to work on the import side doing clearances for fresh fish. And I, I understand just how demanding customers can be on, on all sides of it. And I've actually used a mail service once uh, for food. I had a trial for a week and um, they sent it packed in a relatively big box with a lot of dry ice. How, what kind of considerations do you have? Because we're talking final mile here, right? You can't just throw this in the back of a, a reefer. You got to probably send this from your facility to uh, an integrator or someone to get it to the, the final doorstep. Yeah, so uh, we we use a significant amount of dry ice in 2022. 20, excuse me, 2022, we used approximately 30 million pounds of dry ice across all customer orders throughout the year. Um, so that is, you know, the purchasing and the planning and making sure that we have enough dry ice and that we're sourcing um, is something that my team uh, is very close to and we monitor as well. Uh, you know, given the current climate of dry ice and access to CO2 to produce the liquid nitrogen to produce dry ice, that, that's been a challenge uh, throughout the pandemic. That being mm-hmm. said, we do absolutely take into consideration, right, that our corrugate is the same corrugate suppliers that, you know, a Nike or uh, a way in their luggage, like they're sourcing from the same suppliers that we are. And so the additional considerations that we take into account here are the liners and what kind of liner do we apply and you know what is the temperature from the origin location which we're fulfilling as well as the destination that the customer lives in and any uh you know any zone that that would travel through in between and how does the weather and the humidity uh affect like really the sublimation of dry ice because dry ice doesn't melt it sublimates or evaporates essentially um and right what is we take all those factors in consideration is that, hey, on this customer's order, is it five pounds of dry ice? Is it 25 pounds of dry ice that we need to be able to, again, get that product to them intact uh, on time and in full? Interesting. So how long does the dry ice keep for? Because, again, this is fresh food and you have demanding customers. They get spoiled stuff. You're going to hear about it. Um, and a lot can go wrong yeah. in, in perishables. So what kind of considerations do you have to prepare for there and what kind of risks are involved with shipping this kind of stuff? It's a great question. So. What we found through our research uh, is that essentially dry ice, again, the sublimation varies based on several factors, but really like we have from the time that our product leaves a freezer to the time that it is in an ambient environment. So UPS picks it up, puts it on one of their trailers, a dry trailer, and then it remains in a non-frozen environment from the time from that moment to the time it gets to your doorstep. Uh, we what we have found is that we essentially have 48 hours uh, and beyond that 48 hour mark, it really does not matter if I put an extra five pounds in or leave an extra five pounds out that that's the moment of no return. And then we start to uh, see de- the degradation of the temperature uh, of 
within the box to a point that we now need to be concerned around the growth of microorganisms and does this food become safe for our consumers? You know, it's it, truck drivers could use meals like this, but it's really unfortunate because it's kind of hard to deliver to someone who's on the road and doesn't have a stable location. Is, is that anything you've considered? Is that something we can solve? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm always open to taking on new challenges and solving, right? That's what gets, I think, anyone in supply chain going is like solving for uh, some of these unique or edge case uh, scenarios. Uh, but no, it, it, it is not. Uh, candidly, we are still looking to just solve for uh, fulfillment center to your doorstep and getting that. Once we master that, we can look at, you know, a moving target and a truck driver and trying to optimize for where he's going to be on his route and so that he can intercept daily harvest product. Well, really cool. Any, are you guys moving into grocery stores at all, or is this just completely cons- to consumer? Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking. We are expanding into grocery. Uh, I I don't believe it's publicly been announced who that partner is. So I will not be the one to reveal it here, but we will fulfill our first orders in uh, the end of May, the middle to end of May. Um, and you will soon be able to find us in several hundred uh, stores, freezer aisles uh, spread across the entire United States. Which category do you anticipate would be easier just on the logistics and delivery side? Is it, is it going to grocery stores or is it going to doorsteps? Yeah, I would say that it's much more challenging to solve for and deliver that product to a doorstep, right? Um, when I'm when I'm traveling to grocery, I'm going to put that product on a reefer trailer. I'm going to, it's going to move from my freezer to a reefer trailer, be received into another freezer, and then move from that distribution center, right, out to all the stores that they service directly back into a freezer. So because of that, the integrity of our product is maintained a lot easier. It is actually being able to get that product to you on your doorstep, uh, and make sure that when you open that box, that that product is still frozen. You can put it directly in your freezer. Those are the, that's definitely the much more challenging uh, of the two. Wow, really interesting. Now, I have one final question for you, and you're a food expert, so this one should be very helpful. The Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, they have declared that peanut butter is a liquid substance, which now means you are not allowed to bring large containers of it onto planes. So my question for you, is peanut butter a liquid? Listen, I sat with this question when I first read about this for a while myself, and I landed at peanut butter is not a liquid. I don't understand how the TSA got there themselves, but, uh, you know, who who am I to second guess them, apparently, because I'm not going to get my kids PB&J on that plane when we're traveling. <laughs> yeah, well, I put a poll up and 90 percent of I mean, 68 percent of people said no, only 14.6 percent said yes. And some said smooth is, but chunky isn't. So there is a little uh, distinction going on there. I didn't even take into consideration smoothie versus chunky. You know, it's all in my book. Peanut butter is not a liquid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I agree. Hey, people want to connect with you. They want to uh, work with Daily Harvest. They want to get some meal plans going. Where do I send them to? Yeah, so please check us out, uh, dailyharvest.com. For anybody that is interested in connecting with us in the logistics or the transportation space, you can contact me directly. Uh, Would love to connect and have any conversations. Wesley at daily-harvest.com. Wesley, thank you so much for your time today and bringing us inside the world of meal kits. It's cool to learn. Take care. Yeah, I really appreciate you, Dooner. Take it easy. All right, hey, speaking of food, meanwhile. Half a day today, worked 12 hours, came home, I love good ribeye, especially 
in a gravy. This is a good ribeye. And a good dark onion gravy over a bed of rice after a half a day of work. That's ideal. But you know what goes good with that? Motherfucking cornbread. You got to have that motherfucking cornbread. <laughs> if only I could love anything as much as that man loves cornbread. Hey, it's Michael Lombard. He's an owner-operator at Lombard Trucking. He's also a fitness guru, and I don't know. You like cornbread, Mike? I could go for cornbread every now and then. I'm, I'm not going to turn it down, especially if it's the cornbread that they got at Terry Black's Barbecue in Austin, Texas. Ooh, ooh. Where are you right now in your truck anyway? Are you, have you made it to Louisville? Uh, not yet. I'm, I'm in Calhoun, Georgia right now, uh, pulled over so we can uh, come on here and chop it up. Uh, what's your uh, what's your cussing rules, by the way? I didn't uh, I saw you beep some out. I didn't know. Is this a free speech zone <laughs> well, or? I mean, I, I try to avoid it sometimes, but you know what? We can always beep it out in the on demand. I, I understand sometimes people get passionate. And I can't stop them. All right. No worries. I'll filter myself as needed. But yeah, I'm at the Loves in Calhoun, Georgia. Found a perfect place to pull over. I need to get some fuel here anyways. I'm on my way to Nashville. And then from Nashville, I'm going to deadhead up to up to Louisville. You have an interesting story. You are Marine. Uh, you, uh, your, your family was in trucking. You got into trucking and you also developed a, a passion for fitness. Tell me about yourself, Mike. How did this all come together? Um, well, man, you, you kind of put it all out there in uh, it, for, you know, in fewer words, but I guess the shortest <laughs> way I could put it is, uh, yeah. So my family, uh, Lum the original Lombard trucking started with my grandfather's grandfather and his brother, Johnny and Nick Lombard. And they start with, they started with a horse and carriage officially became a trucking company in 1923, hundred years ago. Uh, and they became one of the largest motor carriers in the Northeast. They had terminals from Baltimore to uh, Maine. Uh, but they, um, uh, you know, they were one of those Teamster affiliate companies that, uh, Unfortunately, you know, couldn't survive through deregulation. They were bought out in 1984 by North Penn Transfer. And then North Penn Transfer, I believe, went under because of uh, union contract negotiations in 1992. Uh, so from then, it kind of just um, never, you know, it didn't exist. My grandfather drove for 30 years. He went on the real estate that Lombard used to own in Waterbury, Connecticut, uh, eventually became strip malls and plazas and stuff like that. My grandfather used to manage one of the strip malls, one of, a video rental store other business that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, I went to high school in Waterbury, Connecticut, uh, joined the Marines. Uh, I, you know, I was, in a, I was a fire direction controlman with Charlie battery 110. I did one combat tour from uh, November, 2010 to May, 2011. Um, spent my last year uh, in the Marines debating, staying in or getting out, ended up getting out, wanted to go to college, play lacrosse, smoke weed, you know, the fun yeah. stuff. And then after college, um, I worked, I, I worked two jobs. I worked in sale. You know, I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Well, hold on, Mike, I got a question. Worked... Be Mike, before we get yeah. too far, is, is lacrosse a good stoner sport? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's a born and bred stoner sport. With, with no, yeah, you, you wouldn't believe how many guys are definitely uh, – I mean, we played against other teams where, like, yeah. guys on the field, were they were definitely cooked. <laughs> All right, I just had to get that inside, man. Carry on. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Uh, I'm trying to make it as short as I can. But yeah, essentially, I, I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for a couple of years, and then I got another job working in operations for a plumbing and heating wholesaler called FW Web. And that's where I started working in a warehouse and meeting more drivers. And then um, shortly after, and then I was offered a promotion 
negotiated salary didn't really go my way. And then shortly after my wedding in 2019, my wife and I made the decision, Hey, we're going to move to Texas. You know, that's why I got the shirt. Um, Mm. and I knew that like, uh, and at that point I kind of want to make a career change. I had always mentioned since the the following years after I got out of the Marines, I always said, I tried going to my friends like, Hey, I should get my CDL. We can make money during the summer. And like a lot of people always try to talk me out of it. Uh, I mean, my grandfather talked me out of it. You know, a lot of people close to me talked me out of it, but then I knew when we were going to move, I was like, no, I'm going to make this the thing because it was all about making a decision and sticking with it. And then on top of that COVID happened. And so, and then, you know, you started hearing about drivers in the news and I was like, okay, this is definitely what I'm going to be doing. And so I moved to Texas in 2020, got my CDL. Uh, You know, I started with Pam Transport, ended up working for another small carry out of Arkansas. And then I got my own truck in April of last year. And that brings, uh, that kind of brings, yeah. And then, and now we're up there. So in the short of it, that's, that's how we got here. Now the fitness wise, what happened was, so I did, after college, I ballooned up to about 275 and I'm, and I'm 5'11 for, uh, just for, uh, height, you know, BMI standards for anybody. Asking. A little cowbell so, for that. It's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> so like I got up there to 275, almost 280. And then I lost 50 pounds for my wedding. So I started making some life choices, but, um, and then I kept going and then, you know, as you, it's a journey, people think that fitness is like this one quick hack, this 90 day journey, this 21 day quick fix. It's actually a, it's nonstop work. It's just like your job. It's just like any career it takes practice, the constant practice of getting to it. And before I started driving, I hadn't even like began to touch running because running is really what started. Like, I guess got me in, you called me a guru. I, I don't, I wouldn't go that far yet, but before I started, before I started CDL school, I started running and I was only doing about two miles at a clip. And then the endurance comes pretty quick. And then by November, by uh, like three months of driving, I had done, you know, I ran a half marathon. Like, so the endurance came because the, my excuse was, okay, I don't know what OTR life is like. I don't know what it's be like on the road, but running is free. All you need are shoes and pavement. Um, and you, and I'm not going to be anything short of that. So I started getting into running and then I was like, and then, you know, I started and I hate it. I hate running and that's exactly why I do it. But I just kept on going, kept getting into it. Reading the Goggins book definitely uh, kept me motivated. And, uh, along the way I had friends tell me like, Hey, you need to be talking about this. You know, you need to be show documenting what you're doing. And at that point I was like, um, at that point, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to put myself out there. The imposter syndrome kind of kicked in. I don't think this is me. And then uh, after after I had been driving for a year, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I started making the podcast. I started making the YouTube and I started putting it out there. And then it kind of just, it really organically grew uh, for myself in my mind. And then I really started kicking into high gear when I got my own truck, because that's when, because once you get into business for yourself, like you, you know, there's so many that you view the world so much more different. And so what kind of truck just, did you get? I, I have a 2018 Peterbilt 579. Nice. You're a Pete guy, yeah. or is that just what was was on the market? Did you look at the Kens, you know, the Western Stars? Well, Pete and Kenworth, I think, you know, they're owned by the same company at this point now. So it was, it was really, I was looking, yeah, I was looking for something that was going to make me money. I definitely, uh, there's no, yeah, there was definitely no, especially the way the market was with prices going up, uh, like they were going up so rapidly, and there were other things we were looking at that would come and go, and then. This guy I was working with out of TLG Peterbilt, he's like, I got this one. Uh, it's from uh, Fleet at JM Bozeman. Just got a whole bunch of them. Bo- you know, like he told me about how Bozeman takes care of their trucks, and I was like, oh, okay, we need because if we didn't get this one, it would have a gone up by another five thousand dollars in a week, or it would have been gone. So it's just, we, yeah, we we made that move. 
Now, you're a Connecticut guy. My wife is from Connecticut. I'm, I'm a mass hole myself. And one thing I know about that is you can't always trust Connecticut people because you never know if they're Sox or Yankees fans. So I got to ask. Whalers. Oh, yeah, I, keep that thing, I keep that thing on me. The Whalers? Are you a Sox <laughs> or a Yankees fan, though? Mets fan, actually. Oh, one of those guys. okay. All right, you get a pass then. I like that. That's kind of like a baseball hipster going with the Mets instead of the Yankees. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. A long, uh, yeah. or a Long Islander. Yeah, or an or an Islanders fan. Yeah, left out. And then yeah, football wise, I'm a Steelers guy. Uh, even got that. Uh, yeah, I got. I keep that. Oh, wow. Love the Steelers. Yeah. You really are into it. You so wait, how did you lose the 50 pounds for the wedding? What was that? Just running? Did you just start running every single day? So yeah, and I, and I want to get into that because this guy talking about food that you had on because yeah. th- there's not just moving your body, but the food's important too. And I'd say the the biggest reason why I lost the 50 pounds for the wedding was I did I shifted the diet. I cut back, you know, I drew back on the alcohol and I started grocery shopping like that. That right there was a huge thing. I started buying chicken breasts, vegetables you could freeze. And at the time I was only working like five, 10 minutes from where I lived. So I would come home for lunch. A lot of times I would do the meal prepping. I would just because I would air fry the chicken breast, put it in the Tupperware, bring the vegetables, some fruit and like Nutri-Grain bars. I would bring food to work like that right there. It was the yeah. number one thing of how I like cut off so much weight, drawn back a little bit on the like. The alcohol is like the first thing. If you if you don't drink for a month, just like soda, if you quit drinking soda and beer for a month, there's 10, 15 pounds that'll drop off anybody, any any driver right now. If, if a driver right now just quit regular soda and went to diet, if they're a soda drinker, 10 pounds will fall off in two weeks. Like so that My- type of inflammation that that so that was the biggest one was I changed the diet. Mike, I'll tell you something. So like the, the only way I can I, I ever really accomplish losing weight is if. I download this app called MyFitnessPal, and I do the Seco if I do the tracking because it's too hard to eyeball. You're so smart with the meal prep there. And if you're honest, like I just took a day and like just kind of grabbed how I usually graze and a handful of candy here and stuff, and I actually tracked what it was, and it was like 4,200 calories where like if I was guesstimating, I'm probably around like 2,000. Totally wrong because like every portion was twice as big and like things like nuts or candy, it's way smaller than you think that that portion's going to be. All those snack things you get in there. And the other thing is too, like once you start tracking, you learn pretty quick. Damn, I'm not going to buy that king size bag of Skittles because that's literally the day. It, cha- it changes your habits. And that's actually what I'm doing now to help drivers. I work as an advisor on, an, on a, a macro tracking app through first form. And so that's what it is. It's a tracking thing because what's crazy is people hate tracking. They don't want to do it. But like you said, you, once you start tracking, you start to change your habits. You start to realize, Oh, I don't need to buy that. I don't need to buy this. So tracking is not a means to an end. You're not going to do it forever. It's a bell. It's you do it. You, you know, you want to do it because you'll see that it works and then it changes your overall habits. It's not about like, Oh, you have to, it's not about being strict and doing all these strict things like keto. It's about building good habits to build a sustainable life for you because, and, and, and I'm stealing this from Alex Hormozzi a little bit, but when it comes to eating and like what we eat, you know, cause that's the, the science of losing weight. You need to eat less and move more. Well, the thing is when it because then people are like, well, I hate tracking. I hate tracking. Here's the thing. How come you like, how come I'm not 400 pounds? How come you and I aren't 400 pounds? Because we can't eat that much. So we know when to stop. Like we know when to stop eating a lot. Like, so we just need to realize we like, we need to eat less. Like, so, you know, not to eat too much of something, or you'll be 400 pounds. Like you'll, you'll be 400 pounds if you don't stop eating. So like, why not just realize, okay, I don't need to eat. It's all about just changing your thought process on doing that, realizing what you need, realizing what makes you feel good. And that's the only really way to do it. You definitely got to track it, but it's not a means to an end, but that's what I help do now. 
It's about helping guys because that's the biggest thing. Like fo- like the four biggest things are your calories, your protein, your water, your movement. And then number five would be prioritizing sleep. What, what, um, before I let you go, do you have an exercise, a sedentary, like podcast desk jockeys or sedentary drivers could, could kind of do to get themselves moving, to get the day going? So here's a, now with, with office workers, it's, it's tough for me to give, but for any driver out there, and I say this because, um, you know, I keep these with me as reminders. These are, these are medals I ran from, you know, from the marathons I've done. And I don't try to tell guys, Hey, you should be out here running marathons, but as a driver, as a, somebody over the road, these are things you can do. You can. And that's what I'm trying to do is lead by example. So for drivers, my biggest thing to tell them because they have the time for it, whether they like it or not, especially if you're doing regular drive and freight is walking. You can walk your weight off. It is the number one form of cardio. It goes right into your visceral fat. A 45-minute walk per day will change your life. And guess what? Even if you have to, the ELD almost helps with this. I just talked about this with another trucker who's on paper logs because he runs a glider kit. He says the e-logs should give you more reason to work out because if you have to only do 10 hours, you can walk for 45 minutes, shower, and get eight hours of sleep. We're at these shippers and receivers for hours. I would get in three miles. I would get in three miles of walking, fifteen thousand steps, waiting. My number one thing you can do for drivers is walking. Now, with weather pending, um, there's resistance bands you can get. You can set up in your bunk, and you could do some mobility work, stretching. I get it gets cold, it rains, but I mean, my, the overall. If you're if you're out there looking for excuses, you will find one. All I could say is the best thing you can do that will change your life as a driver is to walk. If you get in a 45 minute intentional walk per day outside of your normal daily activities, that's the Easy number one too. thing you could and do. And it costs nothing. Yeah. Like download, like uh, th- there's, there's tons of tracking apps. Like the, the one I use, my fitness pal is great because you can scan barcodes and everything on it and remembers all your preferences, but whatever you use, two simple things, start that tracking, start that walking. You're going to peel 15 pounds off your ass in no time, just by making these small changes and those habits will form before i let you go tsa declared peanut butter a liquid is peanut butter uh, a liquid yes no or only chunky yeah i saw this article the other day and there's there's no shot that peanut butter is a liquid is but is regular butter a liquid <laughs> it's a paste isn't it it's like a, i would call it a paste yeah can i not travel with regular butter is glue a liquid can you travel with glue glue might Ooh. be a liquid what am i gonna I sniff yeah. up in the air if i don't have glue yeah, if you don't have glue pads, I guess you can't. Yeah, you can't bring your, uh, you can't bring uh, whippets. I guess with no, not anymore, not yeah. anymore. The TSA too much fluid. Cr- yeah, yeah, whipped cream a, a liquid. I don't, I don't. Yeah, no peanut butter. There's no shot. It's a liquid. Well, well hey, I, you're headed over to Matt's. People will see you there. But in the meantime, they want to check out your YouTube channel or your podcast. Where do I send them to? Yes, and real quick with Matt's, I just I need to put this in there. So I am uh, with the organization CDL Drivers Unlimited, and Dr. Ken Berry will be at Matt's speaking on uh, driver diet over the road. Be sure to check that out if you're going. I'm not sure of the time. I want to just put that out there. I, and I will be at Matt's, too, to talk to anybody about this. But if you're looking for me, you could find me anywhere on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts at the Lombard Trucking Show. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Lombard Trucking. And I'm also available if you download the first form app and search my name, Michael Lombard, I am there. I will coach you, especially if you're, if you're a driver. I've had success with guys before. Reach out to me. I am here to help. All I want to do is help guys win. Look, how about for you, sir? Thank you very much for doing Lord's work out there. Be sure to say hi to Justin when he's out there on the floor at Matt's. I sure will, man. Thank you so much for having me. I love you guys. Love the hat. Love the boys at What the Truck and at Freight Waves. You're our allies out there, man. We can't appreciate you enough. Take it. Take care. Take care. 
All right, send us the hard stuff. That's what Dunavant Logistics says. When you run into that really challenging logistical nightmare that keeps you up at night, call the good folks over at Dunavant. They make headaches disappear. Visit them over at Dunavant.com. But right now, we'll visit with Don Peer. He's a co-founder over at Zeem Solutions. Don, how you doing, man? Where are you coming into us from? Where are you sitting today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm out in uh, Corona in the Inland Empire in California. I know a little Corona. I used to live out in SoCal for a little bit. I spent a little time out that way. I could see you as a SoCal guy. For a little bit, for a little bit. I, you know, that's got, that's got to be the place for what you guys are trying to do. I was looking on your site, and it was really interesting. It was like zero emissions as a service, which you guys are trying to accomplish. Electrification as a service. Tell everyone here what Zeem Solutions is. So what we did was years ago, look at all the barriers to the electric truck industry and the problems that everyone was facing. And we came up with a tailored solution on how to make it so that fleets could go electric tomorrow, today, if they wanted to, avoiding all the upfront costs, uh, the infrastructure issues, the policy issues, chasing down all the incentives, and just make a simple solution of how you know you could operate that electric 579 out of our depot tomorrow. And, you know, I think you were doing, is that video from some testing you were just recently doing? What did you guys learn in these, these tests? And how far along are you in this sort of tests and trying? Like, how big is the fleet? So right now we have about 77 electric commercial vehicles operating out of the depot. And what we do is we work with all the different OEMs, everybody that's producing an electric truck. We test the trucks. We validate them. That way, when we go to our customers, we can bring them the truck that best fits their need. You know, I know Matt, and he t- actually said to say hi, Matt, over at Covenant. Matt, Matt. Matt. And, you know, this. Yeah, I saw him on the show. He's awesome. He said he really likes the solution, but like obviously for a company like Covenant, this sort of, especially in these early phases, a depot model wouldn't work for long haul trucking. So is is the early stage of this to to get the local routing? Because uh, I notice your fleet's kind of mixed too. It's not just a semi truck. You have some Sprinter vans and things as well. Yeah. So we have from passenger vehicles all the way up to class eight. So we've got a lot of sprinter vans because we're by the airport there that are basically passenger shuttles, electric cargo vans, electric class five box trucks, electric class six box trucks, and then class eight units. So this is perfect right now. That's right by LAX airport for moving air freight from the airport to a warehouse on a loop. This is perfect for drayage. Um, We're opening in all the ports, Newark, Long Beach, Savannah, Houston, Seattle, SeaTac, Perfect for container shuttling, where you're just pulling containers, heading to the warehouse all day. It fits. You know, somebody like Matt with Covenant, where probably their smallest runs five or 600 miles, EV just still isn't a fit for them right now. So, so who do you who do you sort of target? Who is the market for this? For that air freight sounds that air freight sounds great. So, how much are you expanding in there, and what's that market like? So that market's pretty good, and what you're seeing happen is the customers themselves are pushing on the freight forwarders, for instance, and the carriers to move their products electric. And we're at an inflection point where a lot of these companies are paying a premium to operate the electric vehicle. So I do a lot of work with the freight forwarders, bringing us our solution, bringing them our solution. And then they go to their carriers and say, hey, lease this electric truck from Zeem all in, and we'll give you this contract, match the period of the contract, to the lease on the EV, and we're going from there. And that's just one small portion of it. We're working with the carriers directly that have the local routes, that do drayage in the ports, and it fits perfectly because 
They don't have to buy a $400,000 truck and a quarter of a million dollar charger to get started. They could start with a lease payment of $7,500 on a Class 8, and that includes the charging, all the service and maintenance with the tires and the brakes, secure parking at our site, um, as well as washing the vehicle. So their operator, their driver, instead of going to their place in the morning, comes to the depot, picks up a clean, fully charged vehicle that's been inspected by our staff, operates it all day, drops it off when they're done, and we just do everything else for them. So tomorrow they could just basically start operating electric trucks. Interesting, interesting. So what kind of scope? Because yeah. you, the, you said the fleet is like, what, 75, 76? So what's the scalability of something like this? Like, let's say I'm a fleet manager right now, and, I, and a lot of them are out there, or I'm the sustainability guy, and, and I got shippers up my ass all the time about their ESG, and they, they need to see something happen here. They want to put out a press release out there. Consumers demand exactly it. Right. electric. Um, how, can you, how do you help there? So essentially, that site that you're looking at now, we could charge 220 trucks overnight, and that's not including the opportunity charging we're doing the day, uh, during the day. So they could basically, most fleets are going to start with a limited number of units, test it out, see how it goes. It also gives them a good testing ground for EV, which you're seeing a lot too. But we can also work with a large enough carrier Whereas if they had additional property on their site, we would be willing to co-locate with them, come into that site, put in the infrastructure, basically give them a most favored nation pricing on their units, and then ask that we operate a fleet of our own at the same time out of that site. So if they are close enough to a depot, it's the right fit for them. Interesting. But the depots are strategically placed where the trucking is happening. What is like the range of costs per per vehicle here to to have um, this service up and running with you? So through us, a class eight with a 30,000 mile a year lease, if they're just doing Dre, would be, let's say, around starting around 7,500 a month, depending on subsidy, like what subsidy the fleet qualifies for. Because what we do is we go out and bulk purchase the vehicles to bring the price down. And then we marry in whatever state or local incentive is available and flow that through to the customer at the end. But they are that price that I'm giving you includes the truck, the fuel, all the service and maintenance, and parking and washing. So the only additional expense these fleets have is the insurance on those vehicles. Wow. So, and that's a really great way because the upfront costs are one of the major barriers to getting to seeing more fleets operate these units and trying to put the infrastructure in. The infrastructure is not as simple as you'd think. No, it's not. So it's like the goal to go airport, like major airport to major airport first and kind of and build out the density in those locals. Because the one annoying thing is whenever one of these topics come up, you got someone who jumps in, they go, well, it can't service my long haul truck. So this particular thing is inviolable. And it's like it's they're attacking a completely different category. There's a lot of different type of trucking that goes on out there. Exactly. So we're doing this all in tandem. So we're doing airports and ports in tandem. We're opening another site in June. We're soft launching by the John Wayne Airport in Santa Ana. And then at the same time, we're going to be soft launching out of Newark, New Jersey in the port in July, Long Beach in the port in July, and then much later in the year out of the ports of Savannah, Houston and Seattle. So we're doing it all in tandem. Hey, I'll give my listeners a tip, too. If you're ever flying out to SoCal, SoCal and you can fly into John Wayne instead of LAX, do it. Do it. Don't hesitate. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it's much better, but, much better experience. 
but that airport closes at 10. So if you have a late flight that's close, you'll get stuck in like the San Francisco airport or something and have to fly into LAX. That's happened to me too many times. Okay. Well, maybe it just worked better 20 years ago, like everything else. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Well, Hey, before I let you go, it's our, it's our poll of the day. The TSA has declared that peanut butter is a liquid substance, which now means you're not allowed to bring large containers on the plane. What's your vote? Yes, no, or only chunky. Peanut butter is not a liquid. Yeah. No. I mean, at a higher melting blender, point, maybe. Peanut butter is not a liquid. No. I got to agree with you. I think the TSA is wrong here. I, I hope they reevaluate their processes. Um, in the meantime, people like what they heard. They're like, you know what? People are bugging me about this electrification. I need some zero emission as a service. Where do I send them to? Send them to uh, zemesolutions.com. We have a contact there. Uh, I'm Don Peer. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and if you reach, go to zemesolutions.com and you'll see all of our information and how to get a hold of us. Don, thank you so much. Congra- uh, you know, all the best to you and your team over at Zeme. No, thank you. I appreciate it. And anytime, any questions on electrification, I'm always happy to answer them. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Let's see what's going on elsewhere. The cow has the eat more chicken sign up. Dude, are those two chi- are those two chickens? <laughs> That's unreal. <laughs> That's oh, so crazy. More cows. More cows. But the first time I ever had Chick fil A was two, uh, two months ago. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm on oh, Team Cow man, here. This is unreal. This is the... more chickens. There's more <laughs> chickens. This... I don't understand what's going on here. Is this like put on by Chick fil A or were the cows holding the sign for Chick and these chickens are just like. Like Antifa chickens oh or something? God, what is going on here? This is not happening. Oh, my God. Oh, my believe God. Believe the hype, though. Believe the hype. I had chicken for the, uh, for the first right time now. about, I don't know, two months ago. My go-to, by the way, if you're picking me up lunch, is the uh, like the classic chicken sandwich. And I get six, six of those, um, the grilled nuggets. I heard we are talking about that tracking. I've been doing that tracking, too. And that'll, that'll like, way cut it down. Get that instead of the fries. Anyways, it is my buddy, Super Trucker. I love how they even had like feathers like flying in the video too. It really uh, added to like the whole the whole shtick. Do you think that was like performance? Do you think that was like performance art? Do you think the chickens and the cows knew each other? Hard to say. You know the viral marketing they got these days. These gurus just crank stuff out. It reminded me. Remember back in like our high school days when Jackass like first came onto the scene. Yeah, all kinds of copycats. It, It just took me right back to those days. Well, we like when I was in college at Cal Arts, we had um, like this new media class. This is how flaky art schools are. We had a new media class, and like we had to go to the grocery store, like all dressed up in like different costumes and like like, stage weird scenes for people just to like offset people. That was like the performance art, which is what they, but all I was watching, and like they kind of started getting really violent at the end. They were like really decking each other. Yeah, that class you're describing is very Cal Arts. Yes, it was. It was very CalArts. Well, you know, there's a there's a new era here. Um, last year, we launched a site called Back the Truck Up, and it was supposed to be the trucker voice and all that stuff. And I think that we made some really good headway under that brand. We did some some really good things. Um, unfortunately, like the, the the totality of it wasn't able to catch fire like we wanted to. But we made mm-hmm. some amazing strides in social media. We're executing on a lot of ideas they wanted to do. And we thought they applied great. So what the truck has gone and acquired the 
back the truck up assets and, and rolled them into this team where you are now as not only a social media coordinator now for What the Truck and um, a contributor on this show, but you're also going to be helping Freightways with the, the greater social media. And it's, 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 you know, sad on the BTU side, but also really exciting because, you know, my first love is What the Truck. So to have you on this team is, is great. Yeah, and uh, super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, rebrands happen. Like I did back the truck up. Well, yeah, well, it's, it, hey, we're going to have a great time. The channel's not going to change much. I'm still having, like, on our social channels. Can you show these uh, these up here? We've rebranded the site. So if you're familiar with Justin's TikTok, uh, what you'll find on there is going to be the same. It's going to be what the truck clips and Justin doing his unique personality, breaking down the news and the viral trends and whatever issues go on there. And same with the what the truck social media. It's going to be similar to what we were already doing very well with back. It's just converted over to what the truck. We're going to operate under that umbrella and run forward that way um what are you most excited about to jump in because there's so many new things that's the one thing like one door closes but it creates this brand new opportunity and this complete new way of thinking about how we're approaching stuff in 2023 yeah well first the name who doesn't love a good pun um but it's it's always fun to be a voice for truck drivers out there you know there's you ask one question to 20 drivers you're gonna get a thousand opinions and to be able to be a voice to bring all those together that's it's a great opportunity I think it is too. Not all rebrands are popular though. Changing a logo can really, really offset a fan base. And Pepsi is the latest one to catch the ire of Twitter. Now, these are Pepsi's logos throughout the year. Um, I, being an 80s kid, like I'm really partial to the 87 era, just sort of that flat look. To me, that's like the class Pepsi. It's beautiful. That 2008 to 2022 one was so controversial. And the... I don't know if it was like marketing or BS behind it, but the actual spec sheet of like the measurements and everything are insane. It's it's like some insane ramblings of a person. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. I mean, what <laughs> the, the is, gravitational it's, it's pull? Like, <laughs> it's like they they came up with the idea first, and then they had to like backtrack it to like sell it to the executives. And I don't know, it, it must have worked because they've had that logo for a while. You know, I think like the newer Pepsi one, my only issues with it, because if you see, like show that back up here again, the the new one they're running with, it harkens back a lot to the design I actually like. But my problem is the font and the font color and the 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 like the circles on the outside of it. I, those seem just so unnecessary to the logo. I think if they just took that blue, that font that they used in 87, we would we'd be onto something here. I actually like the font because you see the slant at the top of the eye. That's very yeah. reminiscent of the font called Highway Gothic that they use on highway signs. Um, L's have very flat tops and I's have very slanted tops. So that makes it a lot easier to see when you're going down the road at 60 miles an hour, when you're heading to you know Illinois, or you, know, you can tell your I's and L's apart at the, just a quick glance. You know, all the... Um... All like the millennials on Twitter, they, they're like stands for the 3D logo, that 98 to oh. like 2007 era. That one always rubbed me the wrong with. way because to me, it was like 87. I wasn't a big fan of like the 3D logos when they came out. Yeah. And then, so now the, the the Gen Z kids that are growing up today are going to be nostalgic about the current one in 20 oh. years from now. when they Or maybe like the again. one they just got rid of, like, right? They'll look back and they'll be like, what yeah. happened to that crazy gravitational pull planet yeah. Pepsi? That was mine. We no longer live in a Pepsi universe. We no longer live in a Pepsi universe. We still live in a universe where you're going to maps, though. You are uh, packing. Yeah. You were just packing during the day. And uh, are you fly- are, you, are you headed there today? When do you arrive at Matt's? Tonight or tomorrow? Yeah, I fly out from Philadelphia at 7. Um, I'll be landing there tonight, catching a nice eight-hour uh, sleep, and then uh, get up first thing in the morning and start getting to work. Uh, Got to meet everybody. 
uh, I got like seven people that want to catch dinner and uh, collab on the show on Friday. So uh, I'm trying to get everything <laughs> hammered down and uh, finalized right at the last minute. You're a, you're a popular guy. This is your this is your first solo trip, though. You think you can handle it? Yeah, um, I have always kind of flown like this. The first time I went to Comic-Con, I did the exact same thing. I, I went in, didn't even have a ticket. I just bought a uh, pass off a homeless guy on the street. Um, don't need to do that at Matt's this time. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually happy to have me there. So, um, But it, it'll be this, I've, I've done this plenty of times, just never as a, a job. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. Do we know what room you're going to be in? Because What the Truck will be live, noon to one. Any listener, if you're at Matt's, we want to make it a party, so feel free to come down, storm the stage, jump on air for a minute, and say hi to everybody. You know, it's not going to be the most informative aspect show that we ever made, but it's going to be one that brings you into the atmosphere of Matt's. That's our that's our whole goal. Is there anything you're excited about seeing? I've seen some people posting their trucks already, and that's one thing I love yeah. about like the Matt's type event. There's a lot of freight to touch or trucks to touch. Yeah, so it's it's one thing to like see an article or even see a video about you know future stuff coming out, but to actually be there and sit sit your butt in the seat and check it out, you know that that makes a huge difference. Um, mostly, it's just going to be awesome to meet like all the you know people we've met online through Twitter and TikTok, etc., and finally like put a face to some of these like you know anonymous Twitter profiles. I will say though, like at Manifest, I was I, I got such anxiety because there's so many people who have like been guests and I know from like their little circle on like LinkedIn or Twitter. And then when like you're walking through, like, it, you know, when people come on, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, wait, how many people am I not saying hi to? And then you like you feel like a jerk. And then yeah, it, 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 events give me a little bit of anxiety. I'm not going to lie. It's it sucks because you're, you're you're pulled into like a thousand different directions at once. So you really thursday right now everything's kind of like in the ether up in the air but thursday we're going to hammer everything down and be like okay we'll meet you at two o'clock you at three o'clock you at yeah. four o'clock and then try and hopefully uh, make everything at work i believe we're in room um 106b uh the conference room so we'll have that open for uh the show friday um but other sure. than that i'm i'm mostly just going to be running around i don't have a we don't have a booth or anything so i'm yeah. not going to be stuck in one spot so if you want to uh, meet with me and uh, collaborate on something by all means reach out to us on uh, on twitter at freight waves fw what the truck or uh, at my handle at Super Trucker, and yep. uh, we can make it happen. Yeah, or just DM him or me, and, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get y'all connected. Him him better, because he's the one who will be there. Now, we mentioned how, okay, BTU, now what the truck, you're doing the TikToks on here. Here's one you did about ELDs. Let's roll the tape, then we'll talk about it. I got this new article from FreightWaves editorial director, Rachel Premack. Uh, she did a, a nice little deep dive into um, ELDs when they first came to the scene, how they were promised to increase safety. And as we've seen from subsequent studies since they've been released, that just isn't the case. Fatal crashes involving semis are up over 5% uh, from 2016 to 2020. And there's even a study for 2019 that shows that increase was because of an ELD enforcement. There's a lot of factors that go into all of this, but I would say the number one is drivers racing the clock. You know, when you were running paper logs, you ran into traffic, you can kind of fudge your numbers to make everything look legal on paper. You cannot do that with electronic logs. So you get a lot of newbies in the trucks right now, running into a snag, and then they got to run as hard and fast as they can to beat the clock before the time runs out. And that's exactly what we're seeing now with this increase in accidents. Now, Justin, people are sitting here going, uh, what is the clock? Can you just give them a, a, a quick uh, primer on what you have to manage in that ELD in a given day as a truck driver? Yeah, so your workday cannot exceed 14 hours. Of those 14 hours, only 11 hours can be on your driving time. Um, once you've reached either 11 hours driving time or 14 hours on duty, you have to stop and take a 10 hour break. There is no getting around that. Um, back in the day when you had paper logs, you could kind of truncate your, your mileage to make everything fit. Um, so say you get to your first truck stop and there's no parking. Oh, well, you go 15 minutes down the road and 
what do you know? There's a, there's a spot there for you. Nowadays, a lot of guys, they get to that first spot, the first truck stop, they're out of hours. Oh, well, now they're, you know, parking wherever they can inside that lot. We have some statistics here, too. And it, throw this thing up. I and mean, you see the only year since ELDs have been affected that this went down was the pandemic mm-hmm. year when there were less drivers on the road for uh, a little while. But if you see this, thing, this, this chart here escalated. ELDs, and I know it's still relatively early, you know, to pull data from, but we do have a few years to go off of now. They have not been successful in curbing accidents. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what the 2021 to 2023 numbers will be because, um, you know, I was on... I was driving local uh, during the pandemic and what you could see the difference in traffic. I mean, there was, it was a ghost town, Philadelphia. It was great. Cause you know, I'd make record time on my routes. Um, but within a year, you know, it was like the pandemic wasn't happening. Traffic was back up again. So I have no doubt that uh, those numbers are going to be increasing again uh, in the 2021 numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Justin, are your cats still crazy? Yeah. I got one of them right now. Look out my window. Okay, you go get him, and I'll run the tape really quick. Roll this tape. Go run the cat over. Ready for launch. Denied. That was a nice jump by that cat, too. Oh, there he is. There's. So who who is this right here? This one is Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey. Gandalf the Grey. You know, cats are big, too. So I was watching Rachel's new show, Modes. Everybody go check it out. I think, what, what is it, Thursdays? I think it's tomorrow. Maybe it's tomorrow at 2 yes. o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. Check it out. But my favorite part of her show is that cat that just showed up. There was uh, some guy in a cat <laughs> that's uh, scratched tower, and he made the uh, the show happen. Free cats. Gotta love them. We got I'll, shipment- be sh- I'll, I'll be on the show uh, next Thursday, too. We're going to be talking about this whole ELD thing, too, as well. Oh, wow. All right. Well, tell me about this load right here. This looks like classic LTL. Roll this tape. How are you supposed to unload this when you get to the other end? What are you supposed to do when you're the receiver? You're going to see these guys. They, they're going to put this thing down. They're going to put a bunch of wrap around it. And then they realize eh, it's not so easy to Tetris that in there, is it? The first time I saw this video, I thought he was just wrapping it to put it like on the tail end of the plate. Yeah. It looks like there's a little room on the trailer. And then as you'll see here in about three seconds he goes up and into the trailer and i was like oh man that's dirty at least he did him a favor and you know a quote-unquote favor and wrapped it a couple extra times so it'll all be yeah. one piece but you see that attitude everywhere it's always once it's on the truck it's the next guy's problem so much freaking hate i feel so bad for whoever had to uh had to unload that one, but maybe one day it'll be robots. Take a look at these robots right here. What do you think? They were they just had these over. These are Agility's robotic, Agility Robotics Digit in action. I, I think he was over at Promat, and if you can see his legs, they kind of borrow more from like a kangaroo than a human. The way they put the back joints on there. I know that a big problem with like robots was stability in the past. This thing here for you audio listeners, he's picking up bins, he's walking back and forth and dropping them on a uh, on a conveyor belt. A little slow it reminds though. Reminds no, me Justin? of. Um... It reminds me of that sci-fi movie from the 90s set, that took place in like the SETI satellites. Remember yeah. that? It was like the, the aliens had like their legs bent backwards. A lot of comments I see on this is like people saying like, oh, it's it's slow and clunky, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They don't, under, they don't understand the scale. Sure, you're looking at like two robots here on conveyor belts. But if you get a warehouse packed with, say, 100 of these, you know, mm-hmm. the, the productivity you know grows exponentially with them. And they cost a lot less than having a, an actual worker there. Well, maybe they do, but they still break and stuff like that. I mean, I can see why the sure. uh, I can see why the canteen on Tatooine doesn't serve the, their kind. Those robots. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, one last thing, just show this real quick to everybody. Why would it cost two hundred dollars uh, to get two copies of a bill of like you have to bring two copies of your bill of lading? It costs two hundred bucks. What is this? 
they're trying to make an example. They've definitely had this happen to them before, and they're like, never again. Oh my gosh, we need to go paperless. We're trying to electrify the world, and we can't even get paper. We can't even get paperless BOLs. Hey, catch Justin at Matt's. We'll be What the Truck. We'll be live from it. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find the show FW What the Truck. Twitter, TikTok, everywhere you go. Take care. Take it easy.